Luke Byron, Tom Kennett, Alex Jones and Jack Harper. It's the spitballing pod. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. You know we've been fighting for one and still fighting to this day. To this day. Aguero! Surprise, motherfuckers. Back out to Allen. History pointer. Bang! I'll take a bow, son. I mean that. Take a bow. And, and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Listen, I ain't going to forget about this by the time we hit the motorway. Some might be. Welcome to episode 127 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, today joined by Tom Kennett, Alex Jones and Jack Harper when he arrives. He's currently AWOL, so if you do hear a noise coming in, he's been notified we've started, but you never do know. So anyway, quite a lot to get into today. We we tickled on it last week saying that we were going to have a rivalry special. I spoke to Alex, I think, about the idea of doing kind of a breakdown of each of the top six teams, but so much happens in the transfer window that we could do that one week, have them scheduled to come out and it'll be completely different by the week after. So I don't think that'll work quite so much, but we can get into a lot here. And then next week, we've got kind of a preview before the end of the transfer window. And then the week after one of my favorite episodes of the year, the big preview for the season, we've had some wild things come out <laughs> on those episodes. So that'll be one to look forward to. I did say Kai could join us, but we'll see how that goes anyway. All right, we're not being joined by Jack because he actually fell asleep after work. So <laughs> that's the kind of breaking news you get on this podcast. You know, Emery being hired as manager and Jack Arthur not turning up for the pod. Breaking news. I was going to actually say, if he doesn't turn up, could you let us know where he is? If anyone's listening, if you do know where Jack Harper <laughs> is, <laughs> as it is, turns out he's his own gaff. Actually, anyone that listens, if. We don't usually get people in touch with a pod other than on Saturday, maybe when the UFC's on. If you do listen, whether you're a close friend of ours or someone we've never heard of, but just a listener, if you could give us an excuse that Jack should have used rather than he <laughs> fell asleep after work, then uh, we'll be all ears. So send them on to him at Jack J. Harper. Anyway. Or any incriminating truth of where he actually <laughs> is. We'll work with that as well. <laughs> all right, so... There's going to be no Chelsea representation on this podcast, and that that's his own fault. So <laughs> that's good. I can substitute. When we get on to uh, the cho- the conversation about uh, what colour London is, Chelsea, we've already ruled that one out. <laughs> Unless TK's suddenly taking a liking to Chelsea and he wants to defend them, but I think he might be all for West Ham. All right, so I, I've done... I can't believe that was on TV. So many points, and I've actually just realised this fits in, so... Scratch that. I've not quite done it to death yet. There is still a bit. So if I give you a news story and then it'll follow into a TV show. I don't want you glancing over, Alex. Don't want any spoilers. I like raw reaction. I've got good eyesight, but I can't read upside down at that size. <laughs> no, well, this I usually have it printed, but not quite today. It's on my phone instead. Anyway, so this was a story that broke last week in America. So you may resonate with it. You may not. Okay, so... A woman who flew into rage after being served cold chips at McDonald's returned with a gun and open fire. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Lillian Tarver was arrested following a police chase on Tuesday after the terrifying row in Georgia. Despite being given a refund by the restaurant manager, she marched into the kitchen and fired a shot into the floor, it's claimed. She said Tarver had thrown a drink over it and the manager came in behind the counter and was physically fighting. So this was a witness report before she then pulled out the gun. And I feel like it's in the film, you know, where they say, you wouldn't shoot. And to prove they wouldn't shoot, they shoot completely away from the person that they're saying, you wouldn't shoot me to say, the gun is loaded. <laughs> so I feel like it was one of those situations. But the thing that actually caught me and maybe made it the worst, even though it's quite a minor detail, this happened at 2.45 in the afternoon. So it's not like there was any drink you would think involved in the situation. It's just a woman who was raging about cold chips. Do you not have to almost admire the raw emotion for that, though? We've all been pretty pretty annoyed at a restaurant or a McDonald's. Maybe she just wears a heart on her sleeve. Well, I mean, we went out for a meal the other week and I was sat under a leak in the ceiling and all I did was smile and take it because she offered to move us right before dessert. So there wasn't really much point at that stage. Yeah, I remember you sending it to the waitress. I was thinking, what is she going to do about this? She is not going to be able to fix this air conditioning unit. It's not happening. Well, I thought maybe some money off or just say that my food is going to be free. I remember going to, uh, I won't name the place in case they do want to sponsor us. That's (laughs) the way we tend to go here. But there was a place that opened up in Gloucester Keys a while back that did kind of like a... I was going to say meat platters, but it doesn't sound right. But you know, the kind of, like a grill house kind of thing. So they did all the. You're getting very warm to name it. No, I haven't actually named It's not Grill House, I'll say that much. So, one of the meals they had on there was essentially a bit of everything. They gave you fried chicken, they gave you this, that, this, that. They had some steak, all sorts. And it, it was terrible, like proper bad. Like the chips were like cold, the, the meat was proper like dry. But I always think, and you tell me if I'm wrong, if you would do any different. Once you've got to a certain point in the meal, you can't really say, well, look, I'm not happy with this. Cause I guess. Mm, yeah. But I'm also of the thing that I don't want to have one bite and say, look, I'm not happy with this. So where's the line? So this is the thing. So I take it on the chin, <laughs> suck it up. All right, I'll just put up with it. Ate what I wanted then. I thought, good time with my mate. So I'll take that from it. The one lad actually ate about 85% of it, <laughs> complained, and they said, don't worry, but that's our mistake. It's on the house. Wow. And I thought, I can't, having seen him have his made free, then suddenly go, you know what? I wasn't happy with mine either. <laughs> so if you want to give me mine on the house. <laughs> you know what? We all hated our meals. <laughs> and they gave him another one. So they replaced it and gave him it free. <laughs> This guy is a this guy's a scumbag. Who was this? Name and shame on the pod. Rhymes with uh, Snackton. <laughs> I, I I've had a similar experience. It's a skill from the new uh, I've had a similar experience where it, out for a family meal and um, oh, we've gone. So I don't really know why we're expecting this, like any sort of let's say standard of where we're eating, but regardless, meal came out. Half of it was cold. It didn't come out together. Some of it was really bad, unedible bad. Um, it's one dish worse. But I, like, I, I drew actually. I got lucky because actually mine was all right and it came out. It came out first. But we, uh, one of the, um, one of the parents complained 
and it's a busy, busy day. There's lots of people around and they come back over the table quite loudly say, oh, it's on the house. Then you've got to deal with the awkwardness of all the other tables looking at your table and going, <laughs> well, if they're getting their meal for free. That was like literally, I walked out of there with my shoulders above my head thinking, oh, it really felt is, guilty. It really is just a lack of cojones to complain as to why I, I don't do it as well. It's I don't know how bad something would have to be for me to raise a complaint on that. I kind of I look at some people. I think sometimes I kind of cringe if, like, say, like you see like a woman kicking off or something complaining. But then maybe I also kind of half admire it. <laughs> you know what? If I had anything about me, I would do the same. I was about to say I judge someone for complaining more than I judge the restaurant for not giving me my proper food. Yeah, I look down on them more. Yeah, I, I I've actually got one more as well. Oh god. Um, so I was out with some people for a meal. It was uh, before a race. Um, so tensions and moods are quite high anyway. You know, there's a bit of adrenaline going. Anyway, we're the hotel that we're staying at. Um, has got a wedding on as well, and uh, we're like hotels in normal function and everything you've got people having meals outside the back we order our meal it takes absolutely ages to come at this point we wanted to get to bed as well because we're up at like four in the morning the next day waiting and waiting and waiting doesn't come eventually does it's not great it's cold, like coldish when it comes we have the manager out she comes over and she makes the mistake of saying well please understand we do have a wedding on which just opened up the gate for one of the people that I went to go with, oh, so we're not as important as the wedding. <laughs> and it's just, but to be fair, from a professional point of view, if you can't hold a standard, then you, you can't Come really, on. you can't, you can't, if you can't hold a standard, then you, like, Happiest you need, day of their lives. Come on. Bring in more staff. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't get all your meals free, the amount of sponsors you have. <laughs> anyway, so I started the conversation about food and this is where it sneaks into TV whether you like it or hate it and I saw this described in a review earlier as Marmite TV which I wasn't aware it was but man versus food whether you like Adam Richmond despite him being a Spurs fan but I've always thought it's fairly like innocent easy to watch TV that you can what's Marmite about it? well some people hate Adam Richmond really? I was going to say who's watching it getting like really riled up like watching him eat like I don't know like an 80 inch sandwich or something and they're getting proper furious so I've got a bit of trivia from the show I've, obviously there's a lot to go into but one of the first things that shocked me is they said that he auditioned for the role there was kind of like the thing put out there and the one thing they didn't ask him to do in the audition was eat <laughs> he what? said they essentially like asked him a couple of questions about food gather whether they liked his personality and they took the personality first and then the eating was just like a bonus after that I mean I mean I agree you've got the personality but what <laughs> What if he literally, if he can't eat things, then, like, I, if you get me on there, there's only so much I'm going to be able to eat. It's going to be very disappointing when I just repeatedly lose. Do you think the show does as well if you get just a standard fat bloke? Because I think part of it is that, although he's chubby, he has that kind of in-between well, yeah. he has kind yeah. of, he has, a, he has a face for TV, doesn't he? So he kind yeah. of he's relatable. blend, he has the blend of the two. But he's got that lovely fluctuation in weight as well, so you can just yeah. track how how well he's doing in these challenges. Yeah. Well, he obviously took it seriously. He says that he'd never competed in anything like that. He literally just liked food. But he said once he got into the show, the day before he knew he was going to do one of these big challenges, he would um, not really eat much. He would just have a little bits here and there, and he would just drink a load of water and um, like soda water in particular, just to keep his stomach stretched and ready for the next day. 
And then he said he would have a massive workout the day before, just so he's literally like raring to go. But he's, he said, and it's hard to feel, I always think it's hard to feel sorry for someone when they're doing well for themselves and they complain about like a small kind of thing. But they asked him what the most irritating thing is now that he's like a, a well-known person. And he said like, it's the people that will come up and have like a normal kind of chat about the show and then say, your shits must be bad after that. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know why people want to know what it's like me going to toilet after a thing. But he was like, literally, you'll see people's face kind of squirm a bit like, shall I ask? And they'll think, well, I've only got one chance. So what's, what's it like? But there's a show on YouTube called Hot Ones where they interview people while giving them progressively hotter wings. So they had him on there and he mentioned this story on there, but I got kind of more detail around it. So... He went to uh, Sarasota, Florida and was faced with um, 10 little chicken wings at the Munchies 420 Cafe called the Fire in Your Hole Challenge. Oh my God. So these wings were slathered in a tongue-torching, brutal mixture of habanero peppers, run-of-the-mill hot sauce, cayenne pepper, chili powder, crushed red pepper flakes, garlic and ghost chili extract. And so the challenge is you had 20 minutes to eat those 10 wings without drinking milk. And he managed um, a couple of the wings um, before he threw in the towel, went away. (laughs) And so essentially, they reviewed the footage after. And what they caught in the background of the footage was that all of these places kind of, you don't want to have a food challenge and him waltz in and just take it straight down because it doesn't really look a challenge. And usually they would put like two tablespoons in of this sauce in the... And they all they see in the background, I think it was like in the mirror, he said it was literally like secret agent work. You can just see them pouring the entire bottle onto these 10 wings. Oh my word. And they said that um, he had to go to a hospital when they came up to check on him in the hotel after. And he was passed out on the bathroom floor, just with no clothes on, just sweating buckets <laughs> where it had just like ruined his body. Like you're, you're hardly supposed to have any of this stuff. And they just lathered it all on oh to say, God. to prove a point, like, oh, we can't have it. I was going to say they found him in his bathroom like, covered in shit. Just <laughs> smeared in his own shit. So that one obviously didn't go to plan. He said it's the worst he's ever felt. He must have felt yeah. bad a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest ever challenge was a £190 burger. Oh Not just God. for him, but he and a team of 39 others, and they didn't finish it. No one has ever finished this, and they've since gone on to make a £338 burger. So they managed 160 of the £190. And I'll just show you a picture of the burger so you can have some kind of reference. But that's what he had to deal with. Fuck me. Him and 39 others. They say the one now, so that took three days. The one they have now that's £338, it takes them a week to get it ready. And two grand if you want to take the challenge. That's just like, it's not even an achievement, really. £190. That's an an achievement. No, no, no. When you've got a team of, how many people did he have to help him? He had, uh, there was a team of 40 for the £190. Yeah, that's not really an achievement. I'm sorry. You're eating a cruiserweight. (laughs) You're actually eating a cruiserweight boxer if you eat £190. £190 divided over 40. Well, that's just the burger. There was fillings, a bun. If you think how much a bun... To fit round a hundred ninety pound burger is. You want me to be impressed? I'm not. Well, I didn't finish it, and he's. I'm not. No, I'm not saying guy. I could finish it. I'm just saying it's not really that. Like, it's like looking at it's like looking at a lake and going, oh, team of team of a uh, team of hundred people. Let's drink that. 
Yeah. You know, it's I don't. It's oh, not we spoke really... about cycling. You wanted us to be impressed that they stayed on the bike. <laughs> Try and bait me out. It ain't gonna work. <laughs> yeah. All right, so this obviously came to a halt. Man versus food. He kind of ran his way. He said that it was kind of just killing him. Essentially, just <laughs> going in, binging out, then having to get it off, do the same again. So they gave him a rest. They thought that maybe they were overindulging him. Didn't want people to get sick of him. And they were going to bring him back in 2014 with a TV show called Man Finds Food. Finding the most kind of strange things rather than the biggest. But they pulled the show after he went on a misogynistic and profane tirade on Instagram. So we're an explicit podcast, so I can tell you what he said. Um, essentially, he, he used the hashtag Thinspiration, which he thinks quite innocent. Mm-hmm. He was attacked in hordes by people saying this is pro-anorexia, this is disgusting that a guy with your kind of stature would use this. And he snapped. He must have had a bad day already. So he replied to a few people. Um, the first person he replied to, he said, grab a razor blade and draw a bath. I doubt anyone will miss you. Oh my God. The second person, he just called a cunt. And the third person, he told them to eat shit. So he kind of went downhill in terms of his extremes, but that was enough for them to take the TV show off air, leave it a while, and then you just get the repeats now instead. Is that misogynistic, though? He's a Spurs fan, so if you put the two and two together... If I'm any, sorry. There's people, they, there's people who went for him online. If they can't take it, don't say it, don't, it, don't dish it. In honesty, it would actually be sexist of him if he saw a woman and didn't tell her to cut herself in the bath. If you, because she's a woman... Well, if you're going to say that to someone, don't be discriminating by gender. You just go with it like he did. He'd have, he wouldn't have said that if he'd seen 13 Reasons Why. That would have been enough to make him hold back, I think. I'm still <laughs> not over that. Anyway, the whole point of this podcast, rivalries. We're a man down, but we'll plod on in the way that Spitballing Pod does. So if we start off and we say... I may reword some of these as we go through. If it doesn't quite match up what I've asked you before. So... We all obviously supported football from a young age. Some of us younger than others, uh, Alex. <laughs> but won't have that. But if I ask, what's the first time when you realised that certain games meant more than others? So it wasn't just whether Arsenal, Man United, or Tottenham, Liverpool win that weekend. It means more when it's against a certain team. So I've got a little bit of a curveball entry because it's not actually what you class as a derby, um, but I, rivalry. I, I no I, rivalry. But at the time it was um, so it was at Arsenal Arsenal United um, at their primes, and I, I can't pinpoint the date in the year, but it was when there was a significant brawl on the pitch. Um, Is this when you were a United fan? No, I can hardly I can bet I can hardly remember it at all. I was like really really young. Um, so this is one, one of my primary. One of my primary. It's not a. It's not a rival. For me. It was just on the TV. But then it was kind of like I was sort of watching. Found myself watching the game and asking my dad the question like, "What? Like you know?" I was a bit like, "Why are they doing it? This ruining the game and all this sort of stuff." And my dad, of course, was loving it. So it's that. That's when I got a real sense of who did your dad support? Ipswich. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So for me. If I just carry on from what Alex said and then we'll slide over to TK because I imagine his will be different. So mine was Arsenal United and you're probably thinking around when we would have started appreciating it 
2001, 2002, maybe. And that was right around the time of the brawls between the two teams. You had Vieira, Keown, uh, Vieira, Keown, Keane, and the likes of that. But I remember in year five, we had the PE teacher was our set teacher kind of thing. And the deal was that you could have the calendar up of whoever was top of the league at the time. And obviously, I was the only Arsenal fan in the class. Everyone else was seemingly united. And like I kind of touched on last week, even people that don't know football and don't particularly like United, all have always had a thing against Arsenal where it's just funny just to see them lose. I don't know what they did at some point, but that's always kind of been a thing. But in year five would actually have been the um, invincible season for me. But I remember that was the first time that I felt kind of tribal about it in that I'm not going to stand for this calendar not being up on the wall obviously didn't get my way much at the time I was a lot smaller or probably a lot less rough than some of the others but (laughs) I at least would have told the teacher to make sure (laughs) the right calendar was up on the wall my one probably would have been one of the uh, Liverpool against Man United games around 2000-2001 uh, I seem to remember Danny Murphy always seemed to pop up in these games. I can't remember what year it was. It was, I think it was probably the 2000-2001 season. He popped up with, like the winner, and it was always someone sort of like random like that, and someone fairly nondescript. And I, I just remember in those games because even at a young age, I just remember being surrounded by a lot of United fans, even if people didn't necessarily watch. Uh, a lot of football. I remember a lot of teachers and stuff even said they followed United, even if you didn't know. So obviously, as an annoying little kid as you were, you would be loving it if your team managed to beat Man United. So it was essentially centred around that. And then I remember uh, the season after was obviously Liverpool had won the FA Cup and the League Cup and stuff, and they played United in the Charity Shield as it was then. I remember that was I was treating that like. It was a far bigger game than it was, thinking like this is absolutely massive for what is now essentially seen as something people have been talking about a lot this week, the curtain raiser. Well, it did used to be a big thing, the, well, back when we used to call it the charity shield and not the community shield. I mean, did it or did we just think it was? No, I, I, re- I remember it being a more meaningful thing because mm. I think far more than now, like, I don't remember there being much importance placed on the top four until recently where there was actually a battle for it. Yeah. And so the top two teams, you'd have a rivalry ingrained there, whether it was United, Liverpool, Arsenal, it would really be those yeah. three teams. And so I think it was a point where you could put a marker down early doors and every game did mean something between the two teams. I can remember going round so... I've said on air before, I'm sure plenty of people are in the same boat, not having Sky when we were younger. And I don't know if people still do that now, but do you remember when people were on a holiday and you'd ask someone just to kind of check in on your house or whatever to make sure yeah. the place was still okay. But so the person that my uncle was doing it for had the biggest TV I'd ever seen at the time, Sky Sports package. Oh. And I remember going over there to watch the Arsenal United Community Shield, which was Jens Lehmann's first game oh, wow. and went to a penalty shootout. Yeah, yeah. And I can remember that being important, but it was purely because of it being Arsenal against United. If it was Arsenal against Ipswich, then I'm sure it probably wouldn't have been quite felt quite so significant. So I think it was the rivalry of the team carried everything else through. Do you think essentially that we've the Community Shield has successfully been disregarded by the loser? 
So the loser said, oh, it was just a friendly anyway. And they've just said it enough times that we thought, yeah, you know what? It doesn't mean anything. Fuck it. We call that the Konohama remover <laughs> maneuver. Well, well, I mean, United tried bringing it back and we were also happy to not see United get any extra praise that we're, you're not bringing the community shield back. That still means nothing. Is that the I, quad year? I think there has to be a line drawn. If you're, if you're calling it a treble or whatever, I think that's where we have to look. Fair enough. Be happy to win it, celebrate it. But when you bring it into the equation, Pep tried doing it last year, didn't he? Like, well, technically actually we won four times. Like, Come on, stop it. The domestic quad. <laughs> well, Pep realised that he got stick for that. And so the time after was like, we we won't be the first ones to do the treble because the women have done it before. Oh, damn. <laughs> We've thought, been there. Thought, We've been there. I've got them back on side now. I think foreign managers do see it as a slightly bigger thing than us as well because obviously in their own country there often tends to be like like the Italian Super Cup, for example, that's seen as a little bit more important. The um, Klopp's already laying down the foundations as well. We're saying, like, no, no, I consider this a really big game. <laughs> so he, he's banking to... on the fact that if you can get the win, he can count as a trophy. Have any of you been to a community shield? Yeah, I went to the last one, Arsenal one. I went to uh, United, Chelsea. There's still tickets for in the city end for next week. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you not think as well that we do deem it important depending on who loses? Like, if it's a team that we want to laugh at, like, yeah. the years Arsenal, Arsenal beat Chelsea in it two years in a row, and nobody cared at all. <laughs> if Arsenal had lost, then people would have like, See, that's another trophy they haven't won. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Like, if City beat Liverpool this weekend, it's it's going to be a big thing. Yeah, it's, it's another uh, <laughs> another final Klopp's lost, fuck's sake. So, if we get on to specifically, like, a, a local derby here, and come to you after this TK to ask at what point you or if ever you felt any meaning between like the rivalry with Everton but as you were Spurs me as Arsenal at what point would you say it felt important to you because I mean when I was younger it was kind of a game there was importance placed on but purely because of what everyone else said I didn't really feel any worse than if I would have rather Arsenal lost to Spurs than United whereas now it'd be the other way around so this is quite interesting for you because I, all the way through like my primary school and to be honest, like all, all the way through GCSE until you came along in sixth form, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't know any Arsenal fans. In fact, the one Arsenal fan that I knew um, was, oh, I can't we don't name names, but I, I, he wasn't really part, he didn't yeah, really, and he wasn't a hard, he wasn't like a prop. Let's say a proper fan. He was a bit like he. I, I know. Different. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know who you're on about, but I'm actually on about somebody else because he he wasn't even that prominent either. So I only really started to feel the true rivalry of it when we were in sixth form together, and then we'd have that banter the next day when, like you know, before and stuff after the match, and like when we started to play at Brockworth as well. That was quite you know on the match days as well. That's probably when it went. So I think it says a lot when you don't really feel that rivalry unless you've got that fan close by. Mm. I think for me it started a little bit sooner, but only because Arsenal had slipped away from competing with Chelsea, United, even City at some point. So you had to take everything you could get, really. And so there was a lot more meaning put on the Spurs games because this was also at a time when Spurs had started to kind of creep up. Because, I mean, when when we were younger and by this before the time we'd have known each other, that kind of time, it really wasn't that big of a deal if Arsenal beat Spurs other than to Arsenal or Spurs. It was kind of a fun to watch a North London derby, but by the same way, it's fun to watch Newcastle Sunderland. It's like, it doesn't mean much to us, but it's still a derby. But I remember in 2009, the one where you'll remember it by 
Fabregas scoring straight from kickoff, mm. where the sky cameras hadn't panned. Mm. And I remember it being more so seeing how much the Emirates was rocking at that point, mean that it started to mean more. And then, as you said, when I started to know Spurs fans, some worse than others, considerably worse than others, then that really did. That kind of switched my point from wanting to win a derby to not wanting to lose a derby. <laughs> so that was definitely the time. What about you, uh, TK? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to the North London derby a little bit more, but the intenseness of that rivalry growing over recent years is really a reflection of Arsenal's kind of fall from grace, if, we, if we're if we completely honest. And that's probably the main thing, well, I'll say with the Liverpool-Everton one, that's never really happened because even when Liverpool have had a poor year, Everton have tended to follow suit. It's... It seems strange to say because Liverpool have had many a season when they finished sixth, seventh, eighth. So you're not saying they're a million miles better than Everton, but they've tended to be. Even if they've not had a great season, they've tended to win the derby as well. Like Moyes, it seems a great Everton manager, but was it a record he didn't win one, or maybe he won one at a push? Yeah, the only time it really got close was obviously the year Liverpool won the Champions League 2005 because Everton finished fourth. They were probably the better team from over that course of that season, and yeah, I remember watching games. Was it? Was Andy Johnson at front at that point? But I remember fucking despising him. He yeah, and I was just remember being absolutely fuming during those games, and that was the closest I got to because, as as you boys pointed out, I don't tend to know too many Everton fans, <laughs> so that's you don't really have that entered into the equation so much, and that was the closest it really got. It's been kind of on off since then, but you can it's a strange derby, and it's one you can appreciate the intensity of and enjoy watching, but it's. It, I don't think it holds the same meaning unless that is one that very much fits into if you live locally, I can imagine it is. Do you not think Everton are quite unfortunate that Liverpool are their rivals? Because of all the teams in the league, there's far, like if they were rivals of us, they would have had far more times where they could have like got one over. Because you look at some of the players they've had over the years and it just so happens that as soon as they get right on the cusp of having like that team, they get picked apart and they got to start from scratch again. But mm. I loved Andy Johnson when he was at Everton purely for the fact that Liverpool were the top of the charts of who I hate, not so much a rival, but who I hated more yeah, yeah. than any other team. And he he was the guy that you would hear people going, he's a proper striker, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Fellow AJ. Yeah. Which one would you rather be? Of course, the original. Not Adam Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, there's a... There's a like if you take a line of AJs, you might be doing quite well when you look at the way some of them have gone. So, if we stay with United, then and I think Alex saw the light eventually. Some would say everyone at some point in their life has considered United a rival. They must be a nightmare for their fans because everyone wants to beat them almost as much as anyone else in the league, and so every game outside of the top eight for them really is like is inside the top eight. It's like a rivalry game. Mm. And even the ones where there aren't, something will happen in a game and it'll be billed as a rivalry for the next season. <laughs> so you think back to the days of say 2000, 2009 kind of times, some of the teams United had in, in that, that year range, as much as having a good team, they always had a very dislikable team as well, unless you were supporting them. If you go right back, I don't know, I've given a lot of recommendations here. If you've listened to the latest episode of that giant podcast that uh, Mundial Mag have done, so 
one of the ones they've done, and I absolutely recommend it, is um, about the Arsenal United rivalry, and it's called um, the last great rivalry of the Premier League. Mm. And they start right from scratch of Wenger taking over to uh, Ferguson leaving, mm. and this rivalry. And you say that even the most like mild managed United fan would tell you how much he hated Arsene Wenger. And you mentioned just the name Rude Van Nistelrooy, and you could get the most mild-mannered bloke's blood boiling <laughs> to a point. Like, he was the perfect pantomime villain. Like he he is as hated as Ibra thinks he is. Like <laughs> people find Ibra irritating. Rude, you if he wasn't your player, you absolutely hated him. You probably didn't really have anyone like that again until Suarez came in where quite literally anyone but your team hated him. Like I know with players like say Thierry Henry, you would hate him scoring against you, but I think you could kind of appreciate that Rude, he could have scored from sixty yards and I'd have found a way to twist it. It wasn't that great. Well I think the fact that he didn't tend to score from sixty yards, it did tend to be a, an eight yard tap in, tended to just add to the, the character, didn't it? It was well, this isn't gonna you probably won't go along with this one, but it's the it's the Wembley one who stands on the goal line and taps it in. You you get riled by it. Maybe Luke <laughs> hates him so much because it's like looking at a mirror and he doesn't <laughs> like what, what he sees. Been. <laughs> but even like Ferguson, and they were saying how you had the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Like Wenger, up to the point when he cracked probably about 2008-ish, he, he'd have done what we like about Groves. He would find a way to dig the opposition out, but say it in a nice way so you would get no quotables from it. You couldn't put one of his quotes on the back page and say so-and-so slandered, whatever. Whereas Ferguson would curse the, whether it went a millimetre forward on kickoff and every other thing from there and he would give them columns and columns and columns to quote from. I think the beauty of that rover as well, it's essentially born out of United had had it all their own way and then Wenger's turned up and upset the apple cart. And it's not just that Arsenal have, have gone on and beaten them, it's that they have been the dominant team at this point. They are clearly better. And that was, it was great to see Ferguson get riled up by it. And obviously there was then back and forth with each winning, winning the league. But for that sort of short spell, they were, it was one of those things where like everybody would have to watch. And people are right in saying, I don't think there's really been a rivalry like it since. Well, they mention it on there, and I don't know how many know this story. So after Arsenal won the league in 2001 at Old Trafford, um, the United board or chairman essentially said to Fergie, like, look, you got to pull your finger out here. And uh, he, re- he resigned. He tendered his resignation, and this wasn't in the day when it would be tweeted seconds later. Yeah. And they were ready to approach Arsene Wenger to ask him to take over as United manager. <laughs> they left it a couple of hours, and Fergie obviously came back and said, look, forget that. Now I want to beat him, and then it intensified, intensified, intensified from there. So I think you need you need a dance partner, don't you? And yeah. they say, would any of these teams have been as good without the other one being there? I think I think the only rivalry that really compares, and it's more, let's say, uh, it's going to be it's a more isolated at the moment, and it's kind of died off in the last few years because one of them's not had an era of success, and it's also the arrivals happened over a few different teams, but Pep and Mourinho, that's the only one that I really compare. 
at all. But the beauty of it being Wenger and um, uh, Arsene Wenger and uh, Fergie was is that it was over the same team over a period of time. And I don't think it's any coincidence that the rivalry, in terms of the interest in it and the intensity around it, it's seen as it kind of died because Arsenal got worse. But I think it's predominantly based out the fact that the managers started becoming a bit more respectful to each other. Whereas when you were watching at one point, you thought Wenger and Fergie genuinely do hate each other here. There's a genuine hatred. And they didn't tend to mask it too much in interviews and stuff. Whereas so as, as the years ticked on, it became far more sort of respectful and political really and that's far less interesting to watch as we've seen with so Liverpool and City this year was a great title race but there isn't that much needle between the two so people doesn't get the juices flowing the same if you forget Carl Walker laughed at Liverpool dropping points and was vilified to the point where he had to delete a tweet because that was deemed oh that's not tasteful <laughs> yeah that's, that's kind of probably partly a reflection of where we are as a society isn't it that things like that are now deemed as too offensive, which was fairly um, innocuous, fairly innocent sort of tweet, which I actually thought would have been good. I thought yeah. it would have been good to get a rivalry going, but obviously not. There's this narrative that Arsenal dropped to like ultimate lows and this hasn't happened for United. United have only finished above Arsenal once since Fergie left. That's crazy. Yeah. And the, the way it's spoken about, you would think that it's the other way around. Mm. If we say so, the question then is, what is it that makes you hate that rival club with United I'll say it's the players but the fans are just as bad I think they've grown up having everything and still expect to have everything and they talk like they still do have everything so United are as hateable a club as you could ever find yeah if, if you could if you could draw up everything I would hate about a club it probably would be United bit from the Winning everything when I was growing up, which was pretty traumatic. The fans being awful, the characters in and around the club, pretty much everything is hateable. We we all know that like a a United fan who is just horrendous. Like, I couldn't reduce I mean, it to one. That's like, that's the power of it. Yeah, Most clubs I could reduce it to one. Like, we've all like worked with somebody who's like a United fan who's got no business. Like they're not from Manchester. <laughs> they've got no business, but they talk like it's they're from even... Manchester. They're you know, it's I think um the 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 height of my hatred for United as a Spurs fan uh, was when I worked with somebody who was one of those, you know, he wasn't from Manchester, but he was, you know, and he was pure, literally talked so much rubbish. But it was where Nani handballed it and he, then he the free kick wasn't given. Yeah. Uh, even though he'd literally just literally picked the ball up and then he just, the, our keeper was coming out to come and get it. I think it was still Gomez at the time. And he then just tapped it past. And then it wasn't like, so literally he just, effectively played rugby for a few seconds and then decided to put the ball in the back of the net that I came into work the next day and I avoided him to the best of my ability but then as soon as I made eye contact with him I just went for him I just went you are right about the sense of entitlement as well in terms of the the original Andy Tate video where he's going you cry you cry you cry for this club it gets overlooked that as much as it was into Moyes' reign, that does mean only a matter of months ago they were lifting the Premier League title. <laughs> cry and cry and cry. Would I be the Arsenal fan you'd narrow it down to? Probably. <laughs> I know a couple that are a similar ilk to you, but probably you, yeah. Right, Alex, aliens come down and you have to explain to them why you hate Arsenal. What would it be? And you can't just say me. I was just going to say, I just hold up a photo. <laughs> hold up a photo of you and go, wow. that's why. No. Nah. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think I try and explain to them that um, just that entitlement that, you know, certain fans, fans uh, clubs that have uh, tasted success and then think they're entitled to automatically be up there for the rest of their, for the rest of their existence, you know, I try and get that over to them. That's um, what it's all about, really. It's, you know, that is that sense of entitlement, so which uh, a lot of these clubs have. I mean, to follow on from what you said, if I was to explain why I hate Spurs, I would say the entitlement, but, without, but without the trophies. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, don't say you don't have a photo of me because we know who the photo would be of. <laughs> yeah, we, we do, we do. <laughs> Let's continue. Is there anything you'd change about the rivalry you have? So I imagine for you to it'd be for Everton to be a little bit better, but not good enough to uh, topple Liverpool. Yeah, probably to be a position where sort of like Arsenal Spurs are now where you could have a genuine sort of rivalry there but um, in this scenario you wouldn't have the 50-50 nature of maybe where Arsenal Spurs could be now you'd you'd have a little bit more 60-40 to Liverpool I think yeah I'd knock Spurs to be in a little bit worse <laughs> yeah. maybe not have <laughs> such an silly. irritating front man don't be silly but not too much worse because if it's, it's going anyway it's 60-40 Spurs at the moment let's be honest I mean, the, the stat I would say is that Arsenal have won more games against Tottenham at White Hart Lane than Tottenham were able to win against Arsenal at White Hart Lane, which is quite a... Are you going into the past again, are we? <laughs> well, there's just so it's where much... It's where Arsenal fans seem to want to live these days. Well, I mean, the last two rivalries we've had in the league, you've won neither, so we could go with that as well. Anyway, Still the happier fan, though. We'll see you about at the end of the week. <laughs> Alright, so our local rivalries always the biggest. So for us probably not because we aren't local, so it is now, but that's more to do with the placement of the teams. I th- I think it is if if we lived in an area whereby we were sort of surrounded by the rivalry, I think we would it is kind of difficult to comprehend, I think, if you don't live in around there. I think if you kinda of go to these areas you do pick up at least a bit of a feel of it. So I do think, ultimately, if you had a situation where you had two clubs who had that local rivalry but were actually competing for something, I think that's where the intensity... It's, amongst other things, it's why Celtic and Rangers are so such an intense rivalry because they're on each other's doorstep, plus they're the only two that are going to win something. It'd be If Newcastle and the Sunderland had a chance of winning something, that would be an unbelievably insane rivalry. Instead, it's kind of all they've got is fighting each other. So that's the thing, and that's the thing that lets down Liverpool, Everton, or Man United City is that historically one team has tended to be doing well while the other hasn't. How rowdy do you get for Cheltenham Forest? Cheltenham Forest Green is uh, a very recent thing. Obviously, Forest Green is a new money, if you like, but that that is a, a sign though of how people go looking for a local rival because for years Cheltenham were definitely looking for one to the point where when they were in the same league as Hereford people were <laughs> genuinely having fights outside the stadium with Hereford fans and doing pitch invasions for games at Hereford we're like what over an hour away not even in the same county and we're trying to claim it as a rivalry didn't they play Gloucester in a friendly last season or have I got that completely wrong or maybe it was Forest Gloucester you might be right you I remember be. I remember asking my brother what he was doing one day and he was like Going to the, going to the Gloucester game, big one. Oh no, yeah, you are right, yeah, because I saw people saying that, and I was like, hang on a minute, <laughs> he had a box. 
I remember he invited my dad down. He's like, a big, big one, this. <laughs> like that's, that is the equivalent of um, of you know when someone like says if you said like you're watching a Joshua fight and they're like, oh yeah, well I wouldn't miss it, would I? <laughs> but you never watch it any other time. Like, oh, I wouldn't miss this one. My favourite thing with things like that is where they deem it as being so obvious where it's like, you watching the boxing? What what boxing? I don't know, obviously, AJ. <laughs> the, where it's quantified to the, the boxing. And this could be like a month away. <laughs> you'd be like, you're going to watch it? The big fight. All right, let's continue on. Okay, if you could take a rivalry between any two clubs in the world and add those two teams into the Premier League, which would you choose? So... Bit, it's not what it was, um, but I'd like to think that if we were able to get this rivalry in the Premier League, um, in the format that it was, let's say 15 years ago, AC Inter in their primes and sharing the stadium as well. If we could get there, move move Milan into the UK, <laughs> prime Milan into the UK on both sides, that'd be pretty good. Classic red versus blue. I quite like the idea of us having to go and play an away game at the San Siro just as part of your league structure. Mm. <laughs> because Barca-Madrid would be the obvious one, but do we need any more competition? Do we really want to add Barca and Madrid to that mix? Because then it's going to be a battle for the top six. Yeah, I was thinking more, if you get Fenerbahce and Galatasaray and you could have two absolutely insane fan bases, a bunch of nutters taking each other out with no real risk to you in a footballing sense. They're a nightmare, those clubs, because I've been to some of the games at the Emirates when we've had them in the Champions League. The second they go behind, they'll just start dashing stuff onto the pitch to <laughs> slow things down. It's an absolute Get nightmare. Yeah. River Plate Boca would be the other one. Did you see the video I shared yesterday of them doing the Cease and Your chant? Yeah, I saw it just before you RT'd, yeah. That was Unreal, class. that is. I'd love to go to that, but what you'd need do is fear. What you'd need is a a stadium where you could watch the stadium of that match take place. <laughs> well, the issue with that one is as well, the away fans aren't allowed in because it's, it's that insane. So you can't actually have what you want. There. But yeah, that I know we've got a question about like which rivalries what you think that would be one that you think I want to watch. And again, it does link back to our thing about like the locality of it is yeah. literally being in the same neighbourhood has done that. There's something quite nice as well about um, uh, Atleti uh, Madrid in terms of your, like you know, the team of the the team of the crown versus the team of the people. That's always been quite a good sort of you know. All these games are going to be better this year as well with the transfers they've made. Mm. Like Atletico's team is literally completely different. And that preseason result, you don't tend to read too much into preseason, but seven three at any point is going to be is going to add a little bit of spice to it. I, th- I think Real look a little bit unconvincing, and Zidane's in a more tenuous position than he's probably ever been while he's been there. Yeah, now they've kept Bale as well, so we'll see how exactly. that yeah. goes. Imagine having that. You finally warm to the idea, that's going to sound bad, one of, of moving to China for a million pound a week. <laughs> so then have it yanked from underneath you to say, this bloke that hates you, he's realised that he actually could do with you helping him out and keeping his job for a little bit longer. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you got to come back. The moment I saw the result come through... Um, I, I just thought that, that might be this might be the case of him keeping him and I, I'm really annoyed like I'm not happy I'm glad he hasn't you gone didn't to, want China. to go to China I'm glad he win. hasn't I'm glad he hasn't gone to China but I was hoping that he was just going to move on somewhere 
sort of people saying is because they were they they actually won that game two one while Bale was on. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Klopp best hope they don't take preseason results into consideration. <laughs> He's, if it's football manager terms, he'd be on a you got to win your next game or you're out job. She interviewed him and he was like, "Well, it's not been too bad. The sessions we've had in training have been quite good." <laughs> And the beauty of it is, and he and the other fans have all said, oh, well, it's fine because we've just had like six of the first team missing. Like, There's a bigger concern is that we've had six of the first team missing for pre-season going into the season. Do you not see that that is an issue? Yeah, I, I sat down to watch Arsenal in the Emirates Cup yesterday, playing Leon, having drawn with Real Madrid, losing on penalties, having beaten, well, having beaten uh, God knows who else. I've got some teams, but just left my head. Bayern being one of them. And then you go to play Leon at home, and one tweet summed up Arsenal in saying, "I turned my stream off and Arsenal two one up, which was then later ruled out. Turned it back on, and Arsenal two one down." <laughs> <laughs> Mustafi is now getting booed whenever he enters the pitch. Jesus. Well, people are complaining about that. I'm all for it. If I did see you say this, if. You're refusing to leave because you got it a bit too cushy. You got a couple of mates at Arsenal. Like my heart sinks every time I see like a funny preseason video. His face pops in and my heart just sinks. <laughs> if you're not going to leave, then we're going to make it so you hate every second you're on the pitch because that was preseason. Wait till he makes a mistake in a Premier League game. You want to become a Madrid or Barca fan base, basically. It works. It works for them. I mean, they also work because they have. Just so much power that they can do what they want whereas Arsenal haven't really exercised that that power I feel they might have shifted more of the ones they've got at the minute hey we've been flexing some power the last couple of days we are just not yeah, willing to yeah. jinx things until uh, I see it over the line now go on let's talk about it we'll, <laughs> we'll speak about it on uh, the next question actually but first favourite game against a rival Alex you've probably got the shortest list to pick from so if you go first <laughs> Um, uh, let's, I'm not, I'm not going to go with a favourite I'm going to go with can I just go no, with just go the, the, the most intense The can I just go with the most like intense derby experience I've had if it was your favourite because the question is which is your favourite I don't the thing is it, it may have been my favourite if the end result was different but the experience up until that point in terms of like passion and rivalry so it was Chelsea Tottenham Bearing in mind that my two young brothers are Chelsea fans and we don't often end up watching the game together. We don't often. Mainly because my mum hates it when we watch it together. Not the experience to go never... with Sean then for that game. <laughs> Sean wasn't there. It was me, one against two. And um, it was uh, the Leicester season. So that that match. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So bearing so in mind... Bear... Your favourite memory and you've picked that one out. No, because what I enjoyed was the initial, the, the initial smugness of us looking like we were going to be able to do him over at Stamford Bridge and me right up and also when Costa got his comeuppance with the with the uh with the eye gouge <laughs> the um but the um but the thing was about that match it was like I'd been on a bit of an in, like a drought in terms of experiencing some like intense banter between like you know football fans and we were all sat in the snug together and standing before the match really civil it was like talking really nicely so that I think now, I think Chelsea are probably going to walk away with the draw or the win today, if I'm honest. As soon as the whistle went, that was it. 
and it was just literally at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. We had the mother in four times, mm-hmm. properly giving it like so. If you if you can't watch it, you're separating you. End of. We had the youngest brother in tears at one point. That's, that's a great thing. We, <laughs> had, we had, and then obviously, and then obviously, I had to suck it up big time when as I put the board in. But you left the house, didn't you? You walked out. <laughs> but I, well, but I no, no, I didn't. I stood my ground. And I just sat there and soaked it up. And then obviously after that, it got really bad with like Dyer throwing in those tackles and stuff. And it was like my brother was like going, "Oh, he's lost his head. They're out to hurt players now and all that sort of stuff." And it yeah. was like, which is quite entertaining because I nearly, did kind of want him. Nearly cost us top four because he refused to send those players off, and then you lost to Newcastle on the last day instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll tell you the worst thing about your brother. He says nice and quiet, and then we'll just sneak in. That, that's what so when Chelsea uh, well, that, that, that's what a glory supporter is though isn't it he, he, he pipes up when it suits him he's after the Europa League yeah <laughs> um, but no probably the but my favourite derby experience is probably uh, when um, when we started to sort of really come to prominence and uh, Redknapp and we had the uh, way win at the Emirates for the first time in 3-2 yeah and um, obviously we came from behind in that match as well um, was it Kabul we've got the uh, got the big head big, yeah, big head in when I've really started yeah. hating Spurs rather than realising it yeah. was just a derby. Um, obviously, Bale snatched a goal as well, which was, you know, your talisman at the time. Um, yeah, and that that was good because I'd really kind of lost all hope initially. In that first half, I really had lost all hope. And then to have it completely ignited in the second half and then the fans staying in the stadium afterwards, that was that's well, probably one of the highlights in the last few years. To say how things were, the 3-0 game I mentioned earlier, I watched back the... Uh, Redknapp's interview from after the game and he says you know what I thought we did well we hung with him for the first 40 minutes like that was something that he could like take from the game come to the end of it obviously things have uh, shifted a little bit now my favourite will be the 4-2 our game of the year from last season watched the highlights again yesterday actually <laughs> that when Torreira goal when Torreira's goal went in I've fallen down the steps of the Emirates in pure joy <laughs> other than that the four two, the two back to back four two games against uh, Spurs, both where they've taken you know, the first one they've taken a two 0 lead, the second one they've taken a one 0 lead, but the first one where Walcott was booed off the pitch at half time, he's come back on and scored two to win it, and it's come out that Van Persie's then had a massive go at him in the changing rooms after for apparently refusing to pass to him. <laughs> I've just remembered a really good memory as well. I, I, one, I, sec. I, I, one sec, well, if we stick with Walcott a second. One of the biggest myths in football is that he just never lived up to anything at all because for like two years, he was a very good player. He just wasn't a Ballon d'Or winner like people were speaking about when he was 16. No. The ceiling was just too high. He He's had like two 20-goal seasons, which is good enough. Yeah, it's, it's quite good. That's what it is. It's quite good. It's, what he was billed as yeah. just wasn't... Which is probably unfair. He maybe was never going to be that guy, but that's the... Them's the breaks, I'm afraid. Because Ox had it worse because then he was billed as, well, he's going to be everything that Walcott wasn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go on, what have you... I've got a 16-second clip that'll pipe me. It's one of your most infamous fans. It's not going to have us... Uh, it's not going to have us taking down the copyright, is it? Hold on, I'll go back. Well, it's not that bad. Wait, wait, wait. 
<laughs> it is his face afterwards. A rare win for Spurs in the derby. <laughs> if we get taken down for copyright now. That's not copyright. Can be if we hear the if it gets picked up. And I'll blame it on that. No. Anyway, TK, your favourite game against a rival. Uh if we're talking Everton, then the one this year with the Origi goal could actually be it. Because it's a shite game, but just the perfect way to win. Ultimate shit Um But if we we go to the United ones, there's been a few, but the 4-1 at Old Trafford was pretty special. Torres ruining Vidic's life. Aurelio and Dosena both pinging one in. I mean, that doesn't happen too often. Gerard kissing the camera. Just a lovely, lovely moment. The, obviously, the win this year that cost Marino his job in the end was pretty special as well. But that... That was almost depressing to watch. Honestly, every Liverpool player on the pitch probably could have got their gear out and stuck it in the United player's mouth and there would have been nothing they could have done about it. And it, was, it was almost pitiful to watch. I remember finishing football to hear that Dirk Coit had scored a hat-trick from a combined, like, four yards. <laughs> and for the price of it, Suarez had ran about 50 yards to get him the goals. But the character said, like, yeah, all right. Right, next question then, and we can rule out Chelsea for this immediately. Hmm. What colour is our? What colour is oh, London? Sorry, oh, I've, re- I've revealed the answer. You can humour me, Alex, for a second. No, no, no. I'm actually going to be a grown up about this and actually swallow humble. Well, just like you say, you have to rule Chelsea out. Unfortunately, Chelsea well, is the, Chelsea are the, Chelsea be. are the dominant team in London at the moment, How? and that's all right. That's oh. all. They, well, they're the most recent. They they have the most recent uh, significant trophy wins. I mean, if on that bait, Spurs has got to the Champions League final. Which yeah, but is, we didn't win it, did we? I would rather get to the Champions League final and lose it than win the Europa League final. And you, well, there's more achievement in doing that. I, yeah, but I'd still like they won the Premier League. Most, you lost it because it they, was Spurs. They yeah. they, <laughs> they um they've got the most recent Premier League win and have had the most recent success. So technically. We haven't say if we like in the next winning the year, Europa League is never dominant though, is it? Because no, you won it, the ugly competition. If, if if one of us, if one of the other teams in London in the next two three years went and won a Premier League or won the Champions League, then I would say that that club is that colour because that's how I see it. So the one who's at the t- the one who's got the most significant trophy win is on top. But you've got to the final of the Champions League, albeit you lost. Yeah, but- <laughs> What's the point in getting to the final and not winning if you're not gonna? It, well, the, you can't. The competition that, as the kings. The competition being... that Chelsea won, you'd have had to come third in your group to enter it. Right. So you'd have gone out of the group right, without okay. beating City right. over but, two legs. We'll, we'll, we'll go. We'll, we'll go. Right. We'll, we'll use it a tennis analogy. So the 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 seeded number one tennis player in the world. All mm-hmm. right. Right. That isn't significant. The, get get to the final of Wimbledon and lose, or win Queens. What? Get no. which one? Get to the final. No, get well, get to the get to the final of Wimbledon. Wimbledon. There's more of an achievement in that than oh, that, No, that's not a ve- that's not a fair comparison because Queens isn't even the same same level. Well, like, well yeah, no, well, that, that's Europe. the point I'm making. No, no, it's no, not no, the same like, level. Significant. It's in no way. No, I'd I'd say like well, Queens. Look is at the teams Queens United is, what beat when they won the Europa League. Queen, for example. Queens is that like is, Queens is more like the like the Community Shield to Wimbledon. Well. You could actually run into a legit contender at Queens, whereas you're not going to in the Europa League. Maybe you might buy a semi-final or final. Will. I'm with Alex. I won't have any Europa League slander either. Great <laughs> competition. <laughs> no, but realis- the, realistically, Chelsea have had the most recent success 
in the Premier I League. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Well, I'm not going to come out and say Spurs are... What, what grounds well, no. do I have to say that North London is... You don't is, have to say it's Spurs. It's not going to be Arsenal <laughs> I either. I think it is it's a race a, between Arsenal and Chelsea. And I think you're right to suggest... No, Chelsea it's not. It's not even a race. You're right to make the suggestion of Chelsea, but not on the basis of they've won the Europa League. That's where I'm drawing a pretty sharp line. I, I, I Chelsea... It's I mean, not. It's not even a race. It's. It's yeah, just. Right, it's not a race Chelsea. because Arsenal are not. Arsenal are not. Arsenal have won more trophies than Spurs and Chelsea put together. Yeah, but none of the trophies that you really wanted, though. And I'd count a Premier what? League. An invincible uh, Premier League. Pre- no, but we're talking years ago. Yeah, Over, still red. No, Chelsea have won a significantly a lot more since then, which has completely rendered that for Wouldn't the moment irrelevant. There's three FA Cups well, in there. Well, well, if we, if you can't go by, you can't go by trophy wins we're talking about who like what colour is London right now and it is not red it is no it's not but it's, it depends how are we framing this as well because is it all in all or is it in the last that's five like, years is it the last 20 that, years that's like looking at what used to be in the British Empire and going yeah nah that's still British and that's still the British Empire because it doesn't you exist anymore that. it you doesn't exist anymore <laughs> well would you say that Manchester is blue at the moment yeah it is. Still not sure. It is. They're the dominant team up there. If you, I would give more of a chance to City due to how dominant they've been, but no team of the London has been that dominant, to, as dominant as Arsenal were. I, I think. I think we just see, like, say, the position of what what city or what you know what town is a certain colour in. Is like you're taking it like as an overall, including the history up to the current day, an overall thing. Yeah. My- I see it as. I see it as like you know. Like uh, uh, the title of Alpha, which can change at any point. Yeah, I'm not surprised you'd see it that way. <laughs> mind the gap springs to no, mind. What the, what, we're talking about the now. I mean, yeah, the now. That, 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 still those not teams, that one of those trophies is dead. It's gone. If you, it's in the past. They ain't going to help me now. So what significance is that? If Arsenal, Chelsea and Spurs go in for a player and the player has the choice of the three, he's picking Arsenal. Sorry, sorry. Say that again. I want to oh. say, say that again. Say that again. If a player has the choice of Arsenal, Chelsea... Or Spurs. <laughs> right. And you're saying it goes to Arsenal? Well, I mean, we've seen wow. it. Wow. Well, I mean, we've, wow. we, we saw it twice last wow. week. Wow. <laughs> so, eight for starters, for starters. We literally we're, saw we're, it twice we're just, last I'll, week. I'll just settle this with Chelsea. Out of all of the big signings in the Premier League that you've made in the last few years, are you saying that you've had better significant signings than, than Chelsea? Probably say that, yeah. But I'd also <laughs> oh, say... Wow. I was wow. saying, if a player wow. has the choice, wow. okay. then he's picking Arsenal. <laughs> he does not. Well, we saw it twice last week. If you're going to be childish about this, we no, can't no, really no. take this conversation still any with further. evidence. Last week, we had two players that have confirmed Spurs offered for them, just the same as Arsenal offered for them. Yeah, but you've got to take into account that how they think they can fit into that team. At the well, moment, the one... Arsenal, there's a huge opportunity to go in and be the main man. At Tottenham, that's not the case. Well, Saliba was already going to be waiting a year either way. Spurs offered more money for him and he still chose Arsenal. Yeah, but he's got to fight for his position and right now Ericsson doesn't look like he's going anywhere. Well, that's good because he's a centre-back. <laughs> the, sorry, I thought you were talking about the other one. The um, But no, but with... But yeah. even still, even still, even still, that centre-back, Alderweire's not going anywhere. Wow. It doesn't look like he is. Hang on, <laughs> let me just leave no, a mark. I, no, but I, I expect that he will, but you he doesn't look like it is because no, that 25 million transfer fee has been sat there. It's next, all he's not coming till next making. season. Hmm? He's not coming till next season. Yeah, I know, but well, we'll see what happens between now and next season because if you carry on the way that you've been, like in terms of if you don't have a better season, is it going to be looking that 
that you know I wouldn't I'm going to save my claims for next week when I have things in stone but I've got some bold statements I, no I, I'll be honest I'll be honest the, so the potential rumour that we've got that looks like it's going to go through with the medical now I, I'm gobsmacked that that's that I'm like the fee that you put down is kind of like it, it is it really is like a statement to Spurs like to say you've gone and lashed out that money we're still capable of that it's a significant sign in but we'll see if it goes through first <laughs> and then that equation also doesn't include Chelsea in there so Chelsea yeah, well, weren't Chelsea- in for these players which I think potentially a player would probably choose Chelsea only in terms of well, that, that's you, they can probably offer more money for starters potentially yeah. and if you are in it for say look I'm going to come here for three years or whatever Chelsea probably is that sort of we'll see what we can win and fuck off type if, you, if you're going to reduce players to a mercenary type what? of thing I don't think necessarily that always works out it's true because Arsenal Chelsea could pick up I, I forgot Jones, but there's that perception with Chelsea well, I've forgotten to mention a big point of my sort of saying like Chelsea, North London at, sorry North London so London as a whole is more, you know is blue at the moment is I think a hugely significant thing in this transfer window is that Chelsea cannot sign anybody and that they're done no, I don't think so Ouch, yeah. they we'll see I, what happens moving forward but I, it, it, like players like Arsenal like might be able to sign and that we've been able to sign that's a significant thing. I think the interesting thing with Chelsea this year is going to be that everyone's talking about how great it is they can't sign players. So that means these young players are going to get a chance. But how many of these young players are going to be what is being talked about? People like Mason Mount, Sammy Abraham. They could be very good or they could be okay Premier League players. We really don't know. Yeah, that's sort of that refined and that refined bringing up for the youth onto the big stage. It don't just happen all overnight. And, and they talk about winning FA Youth Cups and stuff, but... A few years ago, Liverpool won an FA Youth Cup and people like Jay Spearing were playing. And, and that didn't quite work out at senior level. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Chelsea are in a fair argument in terms of London being blue. I think a recent Champions League win is significant on, on that. If we're going to... I'm kind of trying to frame it in the way both of you are. If we're talking current now, I think Spurs are probably the most exciting sort of project, if you like. But... They're Spurs, so you're always waiting for something to go wrong. Well, the, you've got to and look Chelsea, at and Arsenal. If they could get a couple of defenders in, would have a lot less problems than they're going to. Well, look, look, you look at it like this: with Chelsea, you've Spurs got the peaked. you've got the most the most powerful financial team in London. Clearly, you've not. got you've got the most recent successful team they are, and they're still still grinding out overall better finishing positions and winning significant trophies not the trophies but significant trophies Tottenham are the upcoming are the upcoming prospect that forever are being tainted by not winning the trophy um, but are still on a continued incline they're exciting the future is potentially there the selling point of Arsenal at the moment is they have come down they haven't we're not even sure if they've actually leveled out yet and then we'll see if they can. We can and we, we're not even sure if the their setup now is the right setup because it was only a month ago that we were talking about whether Emery was going to be the man for the job. And you've changed your tune very quickly because a few about a month <laughs> ago I? you I? were saying Emery, Emery out. A few I, mo- I month still ago. didn't say I've changed my tune. I haven't heard him say uh, Emery in. We'll you, see how the season goes. <laughs> you, your your attitude already has come straight back. It's oh, because like, we'll see uh, come deadline day if these players go over the line. I think they will. I think they will. But to be honest, I mean, you've got to... The player that rhymes with Schmeppe, Tierney, and a centre-back. 
when when I saw it's done. when I saw Pepe when I saw Pepe pop we, from the group chat, I don't only speak saw his name. I oh, where I no, I thought you meant old um old thug boy Real Madrid Pepe. It's I was thinking he's not going well. to Arsenal surely because no. I saw that and I thought no way because I thought and then I thought I was going to see surely after that yeah. Benzema's been linked with Arsenal. <laughs> I'm waiting for us to sign Gary Cale. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what colour is Manchester? Well, I've already said blue currently. I think red for the same reasoning, but I think Spur, uh, City are closer to turning them over by... Not for the same reason, in the opposite reason. Though. Well, I would say that the reason I would say they are closer to doing what you're saying Chelsea are doing in being that dominant that they can unsettle it despite having one less, but I still think they need a bit more. No, I've, I'll go with, and in, in this regard, Alex's definition of it in terms of Manchester is firmly blue. There is one team there right now. But if we're talking historically and in terms of a brand commercially size of the club, City can't be bigger than United in our lifetime. So if we talk, I'll kind of give two different definitions. Manchester is blue right now. But if you're talking about size of club, City will never be bigger than United. It don't matter how many they win. I still think United are going to do a madness before the window ends. You feel like something's got to come. Don't you? It's almost like a, a volcano that's kind of lying dormant. You think it can't just stay like this. I actually I feel like they're going to do it for the sake of it. I think the ego check is going to come in when the other teams, because... Well, if Arsenal spend, then the, they have to. The way it's... Because they've been... It doesn't look good. They've been taking solace in that they can laugh at Arsenal while... Well, summer I've been trying to work out, I've seen United fans bantering Arsenal fans. I was thinking, hang on a minute, you're probably two clubs in a similar boat and you don't seem to be doing a lot more than they are. I, I still don't know. I still haven't quite worked out where it's going to come from, though. Well, if people, United do start, just literally splash yeah, it all. This is going to be for big for Maguire, and then probably I can see it being long stuff. The the, the thing with people keep saying how oh, are Arsenal doing this with a forty five million budget? No one at Arsenal ever came out and said they had a forty five million pound mm-hmm. budget. Mm-hmm. It's you you use Arsenal for clicks, and so you and, and no one ever does. By the way, so the the budget that everyone supposedly has is the purely someone does it out. Someone releases a story outset. And then it just gets repeated enough that everybody believes it because n- no one comes out and says, and it would make, be ridiculous to do it, by the way, if you came out and said, yeah, we've got 40 million to spend for the whole summer. Oh, brilliant. So now every club knows exactly what we've got to spend. Brilliant. I- I'm still working out where Spurs' money came from in this window, to be honest, because like, I literally have wrote, wrote us off as, I know well, Champions League finals and stuff. I, I, like, yeah, no, that's exactly the approach that I'm taking is I'm still kind of working it out. You need your man from the coffee shop back. <laughs> yeah. Inside, inside knowledge. Well, it's pretty simple. Arsenal have more money than obviously they let on. I've, I think if you pointed out, you said lesser clubs with lesser money are spending big, so don't see why Arsenal can't. And Spurs collected all that extra matchday revenue from that awful Wembley Stadium experience they had to go for every time. <laughs> but they made about 100 million more than they would have normally. Hey, we had to pay yeah. to be there. <laughs> yeah, we're like the sixth richest club in the world, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> How sad are these ITK people on Twitter, by the way? Who are these people that keep up? Tried to keep up this image. Like, do you remember the clip that went viral of uh, the Arsenal bloke who called himself the mole who said Allegri's been he's looking for a house at the moment? It's <laughs> confirmed. That bloke's still going. When all the Pepe stuff came out on Saturday morning, he was going, "Look, my sources are telling me there's nothing in this." And then a day later, he was like, "Look, just check with another source. The one yesterday was completely out. I can confirm it is happening, but it's just not done yet." Who are these people, and who believes these people? I saw someone say that that's going to be the best thing about the transfer window is that you don't have to hear from them again for a bit. I still follow Indy Kayla, the original, <laughs> the original account. Do you follow the gay footballer? 
<laughs> Did you see what's that switched to now? It switched yeah. to like a Villa fan yeah, source. Switched to a Villa fan account. <laughs> the worst. That, that's pe- awful. The that worst. The people are forgetting. Jim Jim Watt claimed that he knew him. Jim White, sorry, claimed <laughs> claimed he knew Jim Watt. <laughs> I had it in my head, and I was like, "Which one is it?" And then thought, "Let's just go for that." Yeah, Jim White's been claiming that he knows him, and he he just didn't want to leak it. And then it's come out that there was just never a bloke, and he's like, no. "Oh, whatever." Oh, what a guy I spoke to, definitely. So, either that, or Jim White does know a gay footballer <laughs> in the championship, and this guy's now on edge. Thinking, "Hang on a minute, Jim, it's not me, mate." So, would we all say that United are bigger rivals to Liverpool than Everton? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think so, but I think uh, a scouser would maybe say different. Uh, the interesting thing, I think, is that when you saw a thing of United fans actively cheering for City to win this year, I think even if the roles reversed, I don't think you'd see Liverpool or, or Everton fans, vice versa, cheering on for the other one to win. I think they do hate each other enough that they wouldn't allow it to happen. If, for example, Liverpool fans had to choose between United and Everton winning, I don't think... I think you'd have a situation whereby they it would be which hand you want to chop off. I don't think there'd be much celebrating going on. Do, do you know, I think a good way of putting it is, so when it comes to Liverpool is, Everton to Liverpool is your, your younger brother, all right? A younger brother who you're significantly stronger and bigger than and that you know <laughs> that he ain't going to cause you much trouble at all. But the one so time is- that he gets the band, it hurts so much more <laughs> when your rival, yeah. when your rival mate from school is like, you, that's the one you want to be. When you lose to him, it don't hurt as much because you accept that he's a significant, this he's is, your significant other. This is Ben talking about you. <laughs> keeping arms length, no problem. Um, but yeah, so it's like that. But when, God forbid, you know, the days that you do lose to your younger brother out of the blue, that hurts. And that's hard to because then you have to live with that as well. <laughs> If you could attend any rivalry or derby game in the world, which would it be? Kind of the similar to what we yeah. touched on earlier. Yeah, yeah. So I'd have it narrowed down to Al Clasico or Boca River Plate. Yeah, or a- AC Inter in its prime for me as well. Um, I oof. Roma, Roma, um, uh, Roma, uh, uh, Lazio as well. That would be insane. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to go in with like a suit of armor, but it'd be. Uh, that's the thing about these games, like Boca River Plate is like pure bucket list stuff. But you think like you get there, going into the stadium, you'd be absolutely cackling. There's no two ways about it. But a rogue one that I remember, I I just happened to see something on it. But supposedly the Belgrade derby is absolutely insane. So partisan against Red Star Belgrade. Suppose I saw like a clip of it, and you can't actually see people for flares. It's just and people just get absolutely mad. And not to stereotype at all, but you feel like Belgrade the fans probably don't have too much else to get amongst for the rest of the season. So this probably is their dining out experience. I imagine, um, I, I reckon... Southwick Rangers would be insane to go to actually as well because that is a proper derby. Yeah. I'll tell you, uh, international derby, Germany-Netherlands. Germany-Netherlands in the, in the, on the international stage apparently. The anymore, then. No. Then I, I know, I know, but... You need it to be major competition. Yeah, yeah. Germany-Netherlands is, a, you know, that's pretty good. You'd rather um, go to England-Germany. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what. I, I don't know what. But in the Dutch league, I don't know what AX PSV is like. Um, you know, because obviously those two are the equivalent. Probably better now. They're, they're closer. Yeah. So, what makes for a good rivalry game? Fouls is probably the first thing you want. A nice spicy foul early no. doors. That, no, uh, fouls that don't ruin the game. 
So, like, an example of this is I've watched many in El Clasico, which has just been, like, ruined. (laughs) Ruined by just, like, not they're not even bad tackles. It's just... You need a good ref. There's... Basically, like fouls and tackles that disrupt the flow of the game completely. But that's that's where the maybe cultural differences also come in as well. Because in England, you have lots of stupid tackles flying in, whereas in Spain, those our classicos that some can be classic, some can be dreadful. Is oh. that they start? It comes a competition as to who could get the other one sent off. So therefore, that's where the diving comes in, the rolling around comes in, and like you said, the game gets broken up so much that it was never a spectacle. Yeah, you want as well. So we said a good, a good ref, and then as well as that, you you want it to be a bit scrappy off the ball as well. You want there to be a bit of a spice in the air. You need the crowd to be up front. I think moments, and if you can ask for moments, but a moment like the Rooney goal against City that added more because it was in a derby game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want it to be close come into 80 minutes or one of them get absolutely battered. Nil-nil is just the last thing you want. A, a high momentum game full stop is always good. So that like literally in the last 20 minutes, both teams are on their last legs. You want something to play for as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what helps with Arsenal Spurs. Tension between, tension and clashes between the managers and the uh, the coaching staff. Little, little, the the clashes in the tunnel sort of like off the coming off the pitch at half time, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, let's face it, there has to be some sort of beef underlying it, doesn't it? For all everyone says about uh, where you are on the table or where you are in terms of location, there has to be something that's that's caused it either. Like, even just, like, random things that, like, we kind of ridicule it, but it it does seem to be a genuine rivalry of Brighton and Palace. Like, this is based on something that happened, like, years ago. But ever since, the fans have just hated each other. And even if it's just something little like that, that can keep a rivalry going that... People don't even sort of, you probably almost couldn't explain. As a young fan, you probably don't even know why. But you're like, right, I hate those ones. And even one like the Merseyside derbies tend to be seen as the friendly rivalry in terms of the fans sit amongst each other a lot of the time and a lot of families just kind of have allegiances to both in there. But that was, there was a spell. I think, I can't remember how many games it was in a row, but there was a red card in every one. And it kind of became known for it. It wasn't always in the best game, but it was just marred by there's always going to be a horrible tackle in there. And it's just going to be. It's just, I remember one. Um, Kyriakos and Fellaini going in on each other. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, that's that's one you wouldn't want to be in the middle of. So, do any of us have, do you have any rituals before a big game? I've said it before, before the England games during the World Cup, I did make a point of listening to the same songs prior <laughs> to the game on my way over to here and stuff. So, I guess little things like that. I don't, other than that, I don't think I necessarily do too much. I do, I do like to watch the build-up of significant games. I'm the opposite. I'll watch no build-up. I'll keep myself occupied until literally <laughs> kick-off. Yeah, See no, I, I like yeah. the build-up. It adds to the occasion for me. Yeah, I want the occasion over and done with. Oh. I don't know. Apart from that, I don't really have any. Um, I don't have any sort of you know routines or. I'd rather. I, I'd like to. Part of me wants to have a bit of a superstitious thing that I do, but on the other hand, I. I, I almost don't because it just makes it a little bit less stressful that I, I don't have to do a certain thing. I've had a transition in my life probably about, well, the way we've gone on the podcast, this could have gone a completely different way recently. Probably <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> about, like you're about to reveal something. Five, five <laughs> six years where 
I've gone from these rivalry games going in just wanting to not lose. Like once we've got a goal up, then I know they at least have to get two goals before it's going to really ruin my day. <laughs> if you offer me a draw before the game, I'd just take it, get it over with, because it's more harm than good for me. <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> No doubt. I go into those games and I don't enjoy a second of them. You ain't going to get far in life with that attitude. Even 2 nil up, I'm still bricking it. You have to accept the losses sometimes. Commit. Like I did in the Champions League final, unlike one Spurs fan. The, um, you commit. You. I decided I'm going all in. Cards are all in. I'm going to soak it up for everything that it is. I remember a couple of years back, you had one of those things Arsenal could do occasionally where they just turn it on for about a 20-minute spell and just no team else in the world can do anything about it. This happened against United a couple of years back. Sanchez and Ozil we were 3-0 up within about 15 minutes. I was still bricking it for the remaining 75 minutes because I thought if they get one, I know what happens to us. Do you know what he's on about with this like 20 minute spell that Arsenal used to have a few years ago? I'll name a team in the world and I'll tell you if we've done it against him. <laughs> Barcelona. Tick. We didn't celebrate a draw at the new Camp like some. You haven't done it against Stoke on a cold night, have you? We have Fab- in the North. Fabregas shushed Pulis <laughs> on the way past. That wasn't a few years ago, though, was it? No, fortunately, they've not been around for a couple of years. <laughs> Cup game or league game, which do you prefer for a rivalry? Uh, it depends on the cup. Yeah, Carabao de- Cup will wipe. That's a bonus. It, it it really depends on the cup and the stage, I suppose, because you uh, really, I mean, for me, it, like uh, a, a highlight of the Premier League fixtures when the season on is the derby weekends, which are always great. But you throw you throw me in there an FA Cup semi final or a Champions League last sixteen, I'm going to pick that. So it's hard to it's really hard to tell. Arsenal Spurs is too early in the season, isn't it? It is this year again. I've got to try and get tickets for that Wednesday. Yeah. I guess one of the, actually one of the biggest lift revving games was the FA Cup semi. So that was again that meant a lot more than a standard league game would have. So I'd be tempted to say for a, a cup game, just that that element of mm. you really do need to win. You don't want them knocking you out. Both Liverpool and United have both knocked each other out of the FA Cup like in the early rounds before, but that doesn't feel. You're right about when you say about the stage of the tournament. That doesn't feel quite so bad. You think that anything could happen after it. I'm not too bothered about losing in the third round. So yeah, it's a well, difficult one to gauge. It's like it's like you know the this season just gone. Um, us losing to Arsenal in the Premier League and then us beating you in the cup. I know that the win wasn't as glamorous, let's say, as in terms of the way the game so panned out as such. It felt just as bad. The the win the win it didn't feel as I wouldn't have I would have felt more satisfied with a win in the Premier League than I would have in that FA Cup. I was um, right in front of where Son was shushing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like some of those, I'm trying to think of um, occasions where... You've had some good Arsenal like, Spurs Cup games the last couple of years. Yeah, you've had um, Flamini scoring two against the White Hart Lane. You've had uh, Riziki running from the halfway throw line. Throw Chelsea in there and I've had Matic put in a screamer which, when I went to go and watch it at Wembley. <laughs> and all I had was my brother text me after that goal to go in and said, I'm jealous you got to see that goal live. And I was like, you twat. <laughs> that was, <laughs> Get out. That was genius afterwards. Uh, or he said, look, Spurs deserve to win that game. I'm sure it was like, 
did you? <laughs> I, <laughs> the Lampard was grinning on. All I remember about that game was when they do the team announcements at the start where they run through all of the teams and then all the subs was this one Spurs fan woman who stood up for the entire, what was it, 15 minutes announcement of all the Chelsea players and the little speech they did before the semi-final just stood up going wank like just wanker <laughs> for like 15 minutes and it was like I let her go for like a few minutes and I like sort of nudged, nudged Sean and it was like Sean she's still going like literally <laughs> just fully committed to just doing it for the entire Chelsea team uh, Arsenal whenever a sub comes on there's always at least one bloke that goes ooh and it kills me every single time but before the game they do the thing where they say the first name of the player and then everyone is supposed to chant yeah. the second name and then you'll get a significantly louder cheer for some players and he gets to Mustafi and it's like, <laughs> And Shaka. Shaka actually had to disable the comments on his Instagram yesterday because he's getting too much abuse. <laughs> you get the same at the uh, when they you know they do the trophies. Like I remember, um, oh, I can't remember who it was now, but they are, uh, there was a significant, I think it was probably when United won the Premier League one year and they do like all the players take turns in doing the lift of the trophy and there's like significantly different cheers and I think it was like literally one of the bench boys, one of the young bench boys came along and lifted the trophy and it was like at the most subtlest of noises going. I'd, I wouldn't want to go and pick up the trophy at all to do that. Like, no, lift it up because he hadn't played a single minute, I don't think. He, I think he was just literally present on the bench and maybe came on as a sub for a few you minutes. You would lap that up. A Ryan Brewster, they call that in the trade. <laughs> Hey, don't make me don't make mistake don't mistake me for a Sean shoot move. All right, I would not go near that. If I hadn't played a significant part, I wouldn't go and lift that trophy. Like them going up for media studies. Don't don't get me started. (laughs) That is that is difficult. Difficult for me to talk about that. Yeah, me. It's only got sad. It's only undeserved award. It's only got more sour as the years have gone on as well. (laughs) Telling me. All right, do foreign players understand what these games mean? I think certain, some, some of them some. do, yeah. Yeah, I think, to be honest, more than nationality probably depends on the character of them a little bit as well. But but also, I feel like probably if an English player went abroad, you'd have the same thing, whereby do they know what this means to the fans? Probably not so much. I think some of them do get it fairly quickly, much in the same way some players kind of get the club quite quickly and some never really do. And I think, and I think some need that first game or two where they think, oh my God, what was that? Before they do, sort of really, I've seen a lot of players say about the Merseyside derby, where regardless of what we might think of it, is it's always an intense game. There's a lot of intensity about it, and the players. So a lot of players say like they didn't realise till they came off. Like, oh, what the hell was I putting myself through there? That's been the only bad thing about. Usually, if I've gone to watch Arsenal on a Sunday, I hate it when it's a good game. The one after, I'd like it to be delayed so I can get on the coach and then get it on. Yeah. And I actually managed to get it on my phone just as Irigi nodded in <laughs> goal so I was quite pleased I got to see that I, I think they react to the stadium so the Arsenal Spurs game last year Lacazette was crying while <laughs> while running away to celebrate scoring his goal Do, there are players who have come in like for, like from the foreign stage and have got it right straight away and almost become an instant sort of like pantomime you know cult derby hero um, a good example of that was when it was tended to be red versus blue, United Chelsea, and David Luiz first came on the season. It was the season where Rooney got away with that shoulder off the ball a few games earlier, and then David Luiz 
came in first match against United that was unreal. and he just gave him a he sort of ledge off the ball and then obviously he continued to just do things all like game after he that. did it Diego, <laughs> Diego Costa as well he, he played to the like the derby atmosphere very he did, well he did that no matter who he was against I know I know but you know he's the one who he, he knew what he could all use you, the occasion all for. you have to do is come in and make some kind of cheap joke about your rivals and you're yeah. instantly going to be on side I mean I'll say Ertzil's comment to Spurs this week where someone put a picture with like a blank in the squad photo and said, how did Ertzil get in our squad photo? And him coming back saying, if you look closer, you can see your trophy cabinet. I will say that had more likes and retweets than Spurs announcing their record signing of Undumbele. Levels. (laughs) Next question. It just shows you the shit show your fans' faces. No. Next question. Your son comes home, your future son comes home, unless you have one running about, I don't know of, and tells you that they now support your biggest rival. How do you handle it? I welcome it. I welcome the I welcome the rivalry. I just warn him he has to be able to soak it up and it ain't gonna be I like, I don't care if he goes off to his room crying, he needs to be able to soak it up. Don't no go no don't no use going running to his mother. I don't mind it. But he's got to be able to deal with what that means. It's his decision to step into the ring. I'm a complete opposite. That I won't allow that to happen. It's actually my, my biggest fear in life is this happening. I mean, first of all, I have to have the son. But assuming the son is there, then them coming home and saying they support United or Spurs or something like that. I, I think I would have to be that parent that's like, can you stop squeaking around? It's like the worst chair. Would, you switch chairs. I know. I'm going to switch back. Yeah. I would have to say, like, that's not not happening. My uncle, so my cousin came and saying he was supporting United and he took him to a United game, sat in the United end when uh, Van Persie scored a header to win 1-0 against Arsenal <laughs> late in the game and he had to sit there and endure it. I could not be putting myself through that, so... It just wouldn't be happening. There'll be an Arsenal shirts from early doors and then we're sorted. Force him into supporting them. No choices. I don't don't like that. That's that's bad parenting, that. Bad parenting. Children should should be guided but not forced to make, forced upon them. You'll force them to eat vegetables. You'll force them to go to bed when they have to. So you can force them to support a football team. That's for life. I mean, it's your biggest fear not that your kid doesn't like football. Then what are you going to talk to him about? That's off the cards. Because <laughs> our side of them really like football. That's, that's, oh, that's really? a good question. That's, would you would you rather him not like football at all, or be an opposition like rival fan? Opposition fan. I'd rather at least have that. So you could live with it then. I didn't say I'd be around to see it. <laughs> yeah, if he was a United fan, you pipe think, up when you won. <laughs> I think I think if he's a United fan, adoption could be looked at. I think if he was an Everton fan, I think it'd be good for him because I wouldn't hold back. Every time I beat him, I'd just be like, he'd be like hitting him with like a, what's it, the mayor's called like a tether ball where you just knock it on the every time we beat him. And I think that'd be good for him. You see him with the, uh, I said it before about this year in Love Island, the girls, the biggest problem is they've had no real adversity. They've never been told anything bad. So if your kid does that, immediately he has to face something awful all the time. And his dad can be a bit of a prick to him. Look, we were on a really nice subject there, and he had to just throw in a It's pilot. the final tonight, Alex. Oh, mate, I don't give a well, damn. Jimmy's dad that's been on here, his dad's a City fan, so he's had to put up with that all season. Yeah, i, I got to admit, on the last day when I saw Jimmy saying, uh, looks like I've got to go in and face my dad or something, <laughs> and I was like, 
that might be a bit much. I might not go home that night. I think just for the one night. All right, so what are we classing as the actual London derbies? Because we see it thrown up. So Outrageous. they credit Kane with a derby goal when he scores against Crystal Palace. And they say, <laughs> well, it's a, it's a London derby. Arsenal Tottenham, that's, that's your prime London nailed derby. on. Uh, uh, Tottenham Arsenal is the London derby. Uh, like, that is your quintessential London derby. I class both against Chelsea as a London derby as well, to an extent. And then I would probably allow Spurs West Ham purely because Spurs had lost that many to Arsenal that they created a rivalry with West Ham. You see, I would say in the last two years, the Chelsea Tottenham um, North like the the Tottenham uh, Tottenham derby has become more and more significant over the last few years, just because yeah, of the end result. Both of... teams against Chelsea. Oh, as well, yeah, oh okay. yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. Um, but yeah, I can kind of see what you're saying with West Ham. Um, there is a rivalry there for whatever reason behind it. There is just the two yeah. fan bases. West Ham and Spurs fans do not like each other. It's I remember when I, I remember when it was like literally Fulham probably at their worst before the drop out of the Premier League, and then it was Chelsea, uh, Chelsea Fulham, and it was like they passed doing that as yeah, like I remember a derby. They tried to sell that. And I, I remember Fulham QPR once. Like, Come on, that's they tried doing it at Chelsea QPR as well. And I don't doubt that is meant to be the derby, but it did not feel like a derby. It can't have even felt like a derby to most of the fans. No. Because none of them are going to have grown up bantering QPR. <laughs> it's, it's crazy because West Ham Millwall is obviously yeah. a serious rivalry, but they're never in the same division or like close into their ability. So it's, it seems a strange one. R.I.P. Pete Dunham. Yeah. May he rest in peace. And R.I.P. the Major. Yeah. Okay. Best rivalries in football. So we tick some of these off. So any that we've missed. Bayern Dortmund, you'd. Put in there, I assume. You said the old firm, and I think we've kind of crossed off all the other major ones at some point during reference. Yeah, if we've mentioned a derby at this point, then you can consider it, and if it fits, then it applies. So, just finally, if we go outside of football, are there any other rivalries in sport that you can kind of get into? I know in basketball, you had Lakers, Celtics for a while, it's not quite been the same the last. Uh, couple of years Knicks Nets I see you purely because I follow a lot of uh, like Knicks accounts Floyd Manny we had for a fair while <laughs> Bears Packers we we get and I do kind of see that one purely because you see the build up or tune in for that but there's no other ones that really stand out to me I don't know about anyone else if there's a big triathlete derby Alex wants to fill us in uh, there, there tends to be like if you were to isolate like let's say 10 year chunks there always tends to be let's say a um, you know a top three or a top two that you know are really always you know your boy, the the ones that were battling out um, but in the sport that it is often um, you know the toll that they put in their bodies and injury is a factor uh, on that sort of limit. Though the opportunity to see those play against each other can often be taken away. So last year, uh, the best in the world, Jan Fadino, wasn't able to race at the full distance World Championship in Kona. He's got injured after winning the seventy point three World Championship about a month and a bit earlier, um, and that t- prevented us from seeing effectively probably what was the strongest field that we'd have to play out against each other. Um, uh, it's likewise as well. Um, the year before, uh, the 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 top two guys, um, it was close. He got overtaken literally in the dying minutes, and so he pegged literally his whole season. Uh, Lionel Sanders, he pegged his whole season on basically 
I'm going to go back to Kona next year and I'm going to go and win it after coming second. And he literally just went on a tour. All the races that he picked were tours of going, uh, just targeting where the best guys were going and just going straight at him and seeing how he could do. And then he got in and then he literally just completely lost it in the last quarter of the year. So it's a bit different in that line of sport um, because you can't always guarantee that, you know, you're going to have your best of the best on the day. But tennis tennis is probably a good show. The the difficulty in the last number of years is that you've got, you've had like a top four, um, which I know is what we have now. But I think in older years of tennis, you do tend to have more of a, a rivalry. Um, but I think the issue's been having them on at the same time. Yeah, they've all gone through patches. I think at its peak in the last ten years, I think the peak rival that we've seen is probably Nadal Federer. Um, that is probably the peak of it. Um, and, and Murray Murray uh, Djokovic was pretty good as well. I'd probably say. It's quite one-sided. <laughs> yeah. James Madison has just said that Maguire didn't skip training today to join United. It's because he had the shits. <laughs> <laughs> so that's breaking news for you. <laughs> Was it about the transfer though that he had the shits or was it? <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, anything else anyone wants to get into before we close this one out? Mm. No. All right then, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. Hopefully Jack is back to join us next week. And if you could, as always, check out the website www.spitballingpod.com. If you could give us a like, share, repost, all that business, we'll be back. Thank you.